Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We still have zero response to Iran. None. Nothing. Less than nothing. You can kill Americans and nothing will happen to you. Oh, we've got all the talk in the world. Oh, I can give you all the talk. I can give you John Kirby, National Security Council, talking about how uh, great American resolve is. It has been three days since the attack in Jordan that killed three service members. The president said yesterday that he had decided how to respond, but we haven't seen any public action. Well, you know, we, at least publicly, we haven't seen any action. So with every day that passes and no response, are you missing an opportunity to signal resolve? I think we signal resolve pretty well. And as I said uh, the other day, we'll respond uh, on our own time, on our own schedule. <coughs> Uh, and, and and we'll do that. You think you signal resolve? You're going to respond on your own schedule? Nobody said you're supposed to respond on Iran's schedule. But the idea that you haven't responded yet makes me think you don't know how to respond. It would make me believe that you're going to respond based on what the polling tells you. You're going to respond based on what the party radicals tell you. You're going to respond based on what it is other nations want. And it seems that what other nations want is to tell Hamas they win. Uh, To quote Karol Markowitz, terrorism works. Isn't that what you're saying? Or is all the reporting about the Biden administration and David Cameron in the UK working towards the idea of maybe recognizing Palestinian statehood just a just a, a nonsense story? It was all just made up. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. This is where we're at. When you take a look. At the story out of Axios, you take a look at the story out of Politico, and you and you see uh, that the UK is considering a push to recognize a Palestinian state at the United Nations. Is that right? You're gonna you're going to recognize the guys who were involved in murdering. 1,200 Israelis and others setting babies on fire, raping women, because that's what you're doing. You're not talking about saying, well, here it is. How's it going to get run? How does that nation get run? Because we've seen how Hamas runs a nation. The people don't get food. The people don't get water. The people don't get medicines. You barely build a hospital. But you rip the piping out of the ground to ensure you can fire rockets. These are the people we're now going to elevate to a status of respected partner and nation. 
The United States really wants to play a game where you lift up Hamas, a terrorist organization, sponsored by Iran, a terrorist organization, and we're going to lift them up to some kind of status of, of, of equality? Who in the world would believe such a thing? Who in the world would think that you should do or want to do such a thing? And the answer is uh, David Cameron. David Cameron, uh, don't forget, used to be the prime minister of of the UK. David Cameron is now the foreign minister uh, under, um, oh God, Sunak. I always forget his name. Rishi Sunak is the prime minister's name. And they're considering a push to recognize a Palestinian state. This is, of course, animalistic. But this is nothing compared to where the U.S. is. Because the U.S. is considering the same exact thing. State Department reviewing options for possible recognition of a Palestinian state. There is only one translation here, and it is... That terrorism works. That you can murder, that you can kill, that you can destroy. You can totally enslave a people when they talk about the fact that that Gaza is an open-air prison. Yeah, and Hamas is the warden. This is what Hamas has done. These were the people who got elected, and I love it when people say, well, why are you blaming uh, uh, the the youth of, of Gaza today? Who am I supposed to blame? Who am I supposed to blame? By the way, I could take a look at polling after polling after polling that shows the vast majority of people in Gaza totally okay with whatever happens to the Israelis, and the worse, the better. This, these are the people you want to make a nation? Never mind where you are on Jews or anything else. Who really cares? These are the people. Terrorism works. Now anybody who wants to get appreciated, loved, a little bit of attention, all they have to do is go full Glenn Close close in Fatal Attraction. Just boil yourself a bunny, you're going to get some love. Boil a bunny, murder 1,200, it's all the same, kitten. Oh, and you can do things to kittens as well, most probably. This administration is devastating in its inability to lead. And oh... My goodness, where can where where am I? I don't, I don't even know where I'm going to hit. I'll, I know I'll hit it later. Can we talk about the statement from uh, from Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense? Do I have it? I have it, don't I? Oh, oh my gosh! It is it is beyond embarrassing to see the Secretary of Defense. Engaging in what can only be described as um, well, where the hell's the leadership anymore? Where's the strength? This kind of groveling thing that that he's doing as opposed to what should have happened to the Secretary of Defense, which is he should have been fired. He should have been fired for not letting the President of the United States know that he was going in for surgery a private guy i like to keep things private who cares if you like to keep things private that's the president you're the secretary of defense you went awol you didn't respond to your superior i mean this statement this is it this is nutty now i want you all to know that to know why this happened i was being treated for prostate cancer 
The news shook me, and I know that it shakes so many others, especially in the black community. It was a gut punch, and frankly, my first instinct was to keep it private. I don't think it's news that I'm a pretty private guy. Now, that's actually not the clip I was going for. The clip that I was going for was the one where he's like, the system failed and we're going to implement new systems. New new systems? What are you talking about? New systems. There's no new system. There's only the one system. And the one system is you let the president know where you're going to be. The system failed us and... But then he gets to this thing that it was a gut punch, particularly in the black community. You are not a secretary of defense. You could be the president of Harvard University, though, with that kind of talk. You should have been fired. I'm so insulted by that as an argument being put forward by the secretary of defense that if you ask me if I have respect for the man, my answer is, oh, God, hell no. And I don't care about his history. I don't care how long he served. I don't care about his so-called bravery. That's not an argument. That is progressive nonsense, claptrap garbage that has no place in a leadership position. But it's that exact kind of so-called leadership that leads us to a place where maybe We'll say, hey, Palestinians, hey, uh, Hamas, you win. Here's a state. You win. That's what we're seeing. That's what this administration brings us. There is not an adult in the damn room. Nothing but children. And when I say that, that Lloyd Austin deserves derision and deserves your, your disgust is justified, holy cow. Now, I don't deny it was a gut punch. And I don't deny that he handled it poorly. And I don't deny that it's not easy or that, that, I'm not, that it's easy. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. It's cancer. It has an effect on you. You have to deal with it. It has an effect on your head. You start thinking about your future. You start thinking about your family. All of these things. You don't tell your boss you're going to be off work for a couple days. And then you say, the reason I didn't is because the color of my skin. Well, Tony, you're not black. You don't understand. I understand the job in its most basic elements and how dare anybody tell me that his race comes before the job we're not doing it we're not having it we cannot go forward as a nation if this is it well the department of justice came not the department of justice the the defense department came to a standstill why it had to do with race he can claim all he wants that everybody knew and nothing was endangered that's telling us after the fact. But in my first week back in the Pentagon, I did want to address my recent hospital stay and some of the issues around it. I'm recovering well, but as you can see, I'm still recovering. I'm still having some leg pain and doing physical therapy to get past it. I'm deeply grateful to my doctors and the nursing staff at Walter Reed. And I very much appreciate all the good wishes. But I want to be crystal clear. We did not handle this right, and I did not handle this right. I should have told the president about my cancer diagnosis. 
I should have also told my team and the American public. And I take full responsibility. I apologize to my teammates and to the American people. Now, I want to make it very clear that there were no gaps in authorities and no risk to the department's command and control. I don't believe you at all. I don't believe that a man in your capacity, having all those years in the military, who didn't inform his boss, the commander-in-chief, can look at me in the eye, look at me directly, and say to me everything was under control and get me to believe him. I don't believe you for a second. I think you're a fraud. My anger on this subject is through the roof. And I must admit, it's not 100% directed at him. My anger is predicated on the idea that we as a nation would accept this. I'm not saying the man doesn't have cancer. I'm not saying the man didn't have a recovery and still has a recovery. I'm not saying it didn't have an effect on the man. I am saying that all of those things don't matter. The protection of the nation matters. The chain of command matters because without these things, we don't have anything. And I am not interested at this level in somehow saying, well, there are excuses to be uh, allowed and there are uh, uh, bends that can be made. No. If the corporal doesn't return to the base on the Tuesday that the corporal is supposed to return on the base, exactly what moment on Wednesday will be they will they be known as private? Yet when you're the Secretary of Defense, it's okay. I want to know how many in the ranks have had to have some kind of punishment, some loss of rank or or, or title or pay, or what, or responsibility, what have you, for engaging in this exact kind of behavior. I want to know, within any concept or construct of war, how many people have died because of an action like this. Don't tell me that there was never any loss of command. I don't believe you. Don't believe it at all. And I am not interested in this holy damn pity party where you bring up the color of your skin. We don't care if you're white or black or Asian or Hispanic. We don't care about your sexual orientation. We don't care about religion. We know what we care about that when the moment comes, you're ready to hurt the enemy. And not only were you not ready, you were not there. And sometimes you can't be there. Sometimes you've got an issue. Nobody is faulting you for this. But you set things up and then you do what you have to do. This wasn't an emergency. You were not somehow stricken very quickly with an illness or an injury that required immediate surgery and maybe no communication. By the way, no one in your staff knew how to communicate? No, no, no. You're admitting that you told your staff not to communicate. You knew the diagnosis. You knew the surgery. You knew everything that was going on, and you still said nothing. That failure in your own head, those misgivings, those misjudgments, those failures cannot be rewarded by allowing you to continue to be the Secretary of Defense. And we are all out of our minds if we continue to allow it. These are the same people who will allow it 
the same people who will also tell you, yeah, you know what, um, maybe we should talk about a Palestinian state. Incompetence gets rewarded and terrorism works. This is no way to run a world. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. So I have not seen one of these Stanley Cups. I'm not talking about hockey. I'm talking about the company Stanley. All of a sudden, uh, to get one of their their cups that I guess will hold you, you know, hold a hot drink or hold a cold drink. I don't know. Uh, and 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 people are crazy about them and the, the Valentine's version and and and, and everything else. Uh, these these things have become crazy popular. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Well, Target has now fired seven employees who bought one. I, did they buy the Valentine's Cup? Or they purchased a Starbucks X Stanley Cup. I don't even know what that looks like. I was trying to look for, for one here. I'm looking through the article. I, I have not seen what it looks like. I know there was the Valentine's one, which is like pink or whatever it was. You're like, oh, that's, that's, that's super cute. But I, it, it's, it's a cup. It's a cup. But people are crazy about them. The limited edition cup has a price tag of $49.95. Isn't that what a Yeti costs? So, I i mean, the, the, the Yeti does keep things cold. I mean, it'll keep the ice. Uh, I had made, I don't have one with me right now. I don't know where to, uh, a series of tumblers I had ordered uh, with, with my TK logo on it. And uh, and I, I ordered them, and they're fantastic. They're they're unbelievable and the hot stuff stays hot for a tremendously long time the cold stuff the ice stays and then i realized they're from china i'm like oh i can't do that again i can't except i can't i mean laser engraved and stuff i can't find them anywhere it's the only place i can find them made so i have never ordered uh, another set because i didn't want to order from china Although they're awesome, and I know they would sell, and we're working on a whole store, and, and it'd, it'd be fantastic, but I can't do it. So I don't know where the Stanley Cups are made. That's a good question. Why is it so hard to find one of those things not made in China? It, it's weird. Like, I can find T-shirts not made in China. I order those for, you know, swag for, like, Eat, Drink, Smoke, My Cigar and Bourbon Show, and hats I, I find not made in 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 China, you know, we're working on like like beanies or like winter or something. I can find all of that, but these 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 mugs, I, the only place I can find them made is China. So if if, if you uh, if you know of anybody who makes those, let me know. Hold on, Sarah's saying me the pink Valentine Stanley is the Starbucks X Stanley. They're the same thing. Why are they the same thing? I have no. I, and who wants anything Starbucks that bad? There's like real coffee to drink, local coffee to drink. Somewhere there's a local roaster near where you live. My God, you shop there. That's where you buy it. Who would actually proactively buy their coffee from Starbucks? This is silly. Uh, also, um, we should be clear, Starbucks is never going to be a sponsor of the show. And that's okay because you do not make great coffee. Now, I try my best not to go, but sometimes you're you're there for a trip, right? You got a conference, and it's the only thing in the hotel, and you do what you do, right? I'm, I'm not saying one should should lose their heads o- o- over things. I'm saying that in the main, try to avoid it. 
Friends don't let friends drink Starbucks. And and Dunkin' Donuts is far better, at least coffee-wise. The donuts may have gone to crap. What? We're, we're not going to speak truth to each other now? The, do- the donuts are not are not what they used to be. Certainly growing up compared to now. No, 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 no. But I don't know what the deal is with these cups. But people are getting fired because the employees are taking them. Are they reselling them on eBay? Are they allowed? To, is it that they're not allowed to buy them? Or are they trying to hide them? Getting an unfair advantage over the guest? Honestly, that's right. The guest does come first. This is Tony Katz today. The economy. And I seem to be swimming in a completely different direction than what Wall Street's telling us and than what the, certainly what the administration's telling us. And I think people see me as a naysayer. I'm not trying to be a naysayer. I want things to be great. I just don't see the greatness. I talk to the business owners. I take a look at what happens in China, and I ask myself, how does this not lead to something serious? I take a look at oil prices being down, and I say, that's great. Except China's not using as much because they're not producing as much because of their own financial issues. This is going to be bad news for the rest of us in this interconnected world. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I figured, uh, you know, I, I speak to economist Dr. Matt Will a lot. I figure maybe I should, I should go, uh, uh, to, to my original guy. Maybe I should get somebody who will slap me in the face and say, Tony, you don't understand how good things are. Or maybe I'll find out I'm right. Charles Payne joins us right now. You see his work on Fox Business, making money with Charles Payne. That is 2 p.m. on Fox Business, Monday through Friday. And his latest book, Unbreakable Investor. You can go to unbreakableinvestor.com and check it out for yourself. Uh, I guess I'll start with the general is this a wonderful, glorious economy, and I'm just a naysayer, or do I see what other people don't see? You see what other people don't see. I'm jumping into foxhole with you, my man. I got your back on this one. Right on. It, so, it, so what it, is here's, here's the two, two, two ways they set up the narrative, two ways. First and foremost, we had, uh, we had a record by far, not even close, shattering record of money that came cascading into our economy. Uh, after the pandemic, just and, uh, just trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And that takes a while to work its way through the system. We should never, ever uh, equate that to organic growth. We should never think that that's something, you know, we know it's a temporary thing. Uh, it feels good while it's making its way through the system. The velocity of, uh, of money has uh, has increased. Uh, and so that is part of the picture. The other part, and the part that really frustrates me, is this whole game of consensus. Well, the number came in better than Wall Street consensus. That doesn't mean it's good. I mean, it just means that a bunch of people took a guess and they were wrong. So I, I'm with you because if you really cut through the fog and you see what's really happening with delinquency rates skyrocketing, with wages getting very weak and look like they're going to get a lot weaker, this jobs this jobs market is not nearly as so strong as they suggest that it is, and all of that free money is fading. Uh, you know, so it's like watching a football game. Uh, you see where the ball is going, right? and you can see in slow motion. You know, a lot of times we watch a game, we can see the, the quarterback throws a bomb, and you can see the receiver getting open. You figured that you know what's going to happen as a few seconds later. 
I just think it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty well known. It seems to me that we're heading towards something that's going to be very, very painful right around the corner. So let's start with where this happening. I've got three things I want to get to, starting with the interest rates, because the Fed announced yesterday they're not going to change interest rates, meaning lower them. Wall Street had a field day when it was told to them there'll probably be three rate decreases in 2024. Then you read the minutes of their meeting, and the minutes didn't say anything like what they were saying publicly. No rate decrease, and really a signal from the Fed that 2024 might just lay itself uh, flat. It, shouldn't this be warning number one? It, well, the thing is, though, that there's no rate increase in March. They're still saying uh, three rate increase well, cuts, rather r- three rate cuts this year, uh, and so that's their way of acknowledging that the economy is slowing, and that inflation will be low enough for them to be accommodated. Because they really, at the end of the day, their real goal is to to make sure that Wall Street stays, um, you know, flush. Now, Wall Street, of course, is very greedy. Wall Street wants at least five to six rate cuts. And in fact, if you look at all the different measures of, of how they measure you know, the markets, the market is still, at this very moment, even without a rate cut in March, still looking at six rate cuts this year. So that's a sign the economy is going to be slowing. And they, they want this thing called, called a soft landing, where it slows just enough, but we don't have a spike in unemployment and things don't happen. Uh, we'll see what happens there, because the, the measure that they use, there are three unemployment measures at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they all begin with the U. The one that we hear about, the U3 unemployment rate, is so skewed, it's embarrassing. Every time I hear an economist talk about it in glowing terms without adding the caveat, that last month, the last one we got, 670,000 people left the labor force. So the number was had a three-handle. It was 39 if that many people stayed in the labor force, the unemployment rate would have been well over 4%. So is that good news or is that bad news? That's, that, that 600,000 people left the labor force. That's a strong economy. By the way, there were over 600,000 people, fewer workers month to month. Is that really a strong economy? Of course it's not. You skewed the data. So do you go off of this artificial data to try to tell the public that the economy is strong when one of these 600,000 people are saying, hey, it was so weak in my neighborhood, I didn't even bother looking for a job. I dropped out of the labor market. Talking to Charles Payne from Fox Business, unbreakableinvestor.com. You can get his new book, Build the American Dream in Any Economic Cycle, by Charles Payne, unbreakableinvestor.com. So this rate conversation is is number one, and you're absolutely right about uh, the, the labor force conversation. Number two takes us over to China, which has a U.S. corollary. You take a look at Evergrande, and we talk about these things, this massive real estate company going belly up, the Hong Kong courts uh, deciding it's time to liquidate. China did not prop this thing up with 80-plus billion dollars in, 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 in losses and a possible $420 billion, whatever it is, in debt. You've got Country Garden right behind it, which could go the same way. And then you have U.S. real estate, which could be engaging a lot of refinancing coming up. They got the money at low rates. The rates now are higher, which might mean abandoning a lot of real estate or letting it go uh, in fire sales. Give me the one, two, three punch here on how that affects the American consumer on Midwest Main Street. 
Well, there's two things. Uh, ironically, one is, is pretty beneficial for Joe Biden. Gasoline prices didn't go up. China's economy, China's been the main driver of, of gasoline, of crude oil prices over the last few years. Their, their rapid growth, their insatiable appetite for energy, uh, and because their economy is so weak, it's actually helped to keep our oil and gasoline prices lower. But to your point, which is also a cautionary tale, uh, on the commercial real estate side, we're in trouble. We are in a whole lot of trouble. And what's really worrisome about it, it's mostly regional banks that have made these loans. Now, if you see that if, if, if Main Street has changed to the point where uh, people are not going to go back to work, not in, enough, not in enough capacity to justify the buildings that have already been built, and those buildings have big debts against them, they're going to be a lot of massive defaults in this country. Now, some of it's because you can't work from home in a lot of larger cities. It's because you don't want to go to the city. And, and so... We've got that, and in China, again, you know, they've, they've had this manufactured economy for a long time. They've built ghost cities, entire cities that are completely empty. By the way, they've also built some amazing cities that we, you know, the average American, if they ever saw pictures of it, would be like, oh, my goodness, what? how'd they do that? You know, uh, but that's how they've always kept their economy going. It's been artificial. It's been man-made. But one thing people need to understand, Tony, and this is critical, a year ago, two years ago, uh, she, she decided instead of prosperity, they were going to focus on war. He is getting his country and his economy ready for war. So all of the money that they might have put into propping up an Evergrande, they're using it in different ways right now. And the economy takes a, a backseat to all of that. And and that's something that really is worrisome to me as well. So you're having the conversation regarding Taiwan, because this is very clearly the place and the, the one China uh, philosophy. Uh, and of course, as a guy who, who plays in the economy morning, noon and night, you're, you're watching this. Uh, you're engaging an expectation of that to take place. But what does that do to the marketplace if it does? Well, uh it depends on when, but it's going to obviously be disastrous, at least initially, and that's because of the semiconductor situation. Listen, we're in a fourth industrial revolution, but it doesn't happen. It's all being powered by the computer chips and, and, these, and these semiconductor chips. And if you look at the shares of NVIDIA as your poster child for this, uh, it's just amazing. And the thing is, we've waited too long. It, it will take, uh, I think there was the CEO of Micron, said it would take uh, maybe 20 years to completely get all of the uh, semiconductor risk that we have embedded because of the Taiwan uh, to our sh- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Doors or out of Taiwan. So it would be a massive, massive, massive blow. Um, it would also uh, ignite really amazing fears and economic regression and to all of the Pacific, maybe even beyond there. Uh, and and it, But I don't see how it cannot happen. In the, in the most recent meeting, I think it was about two months ago, she and, and, and uh, President Biden face-to-face in California, he looked President Biden right in the face and says, we're taking Taiwan one way or the other. He looked him right in the face and says, we are taking Taiwan. And so it's the only thing we can hope is that it's later, much later. You know, the, the irony is that Taiwan just had an election that was razor close. And then the candidate who lost was actually saying Taiwan should make nice with China because once America has the semiconductor capacity, they won't protect us anyway. 
So it's a complicated mix. Right now, it would be a huge, a huge uh, economic blow to the world, but more specifically to uh, to our grander ambitions to to continue to dominate, particularly when it comes to this fourth industrial revolution. Let me give you spot number three that I'm paying attention to. Talking to Charles Payne of Fox Business, the book Unbreakable Investor. Find it at unbreakableinvestor.com. The books, the trainings, all of it, unbreakableinvestor.com. Third quarter credit card debt in the United States was $1.08 trillion. And I don't know how this isn't looked at every day as the bomb that puts an end to consumer spending when the number becomes untenable and nobody, you talked about defaults earlier, nobody pays back their credit card debt, figuring if Biden will take care of my student loan, someone's going to take care of this. What's the danger number if $1.08 trillion isn't already it? Oh, that is a hell of a question. And I, you know, listen, I pose the same question to the top economists on Wall Street. 95% of them are so sanguine about this, it drives me crazy. Uh, here's what they tell me. Don't worry about it. As long as people have a job, they'll pay their credit card bill, even if it's the minimum. Okay. Then they say, oh, by the way, that number seems large, but as a percentage of GDP, it's actually a lot lower than it's been in recent years. Okay. Oh, and do you know technically, Tony, that although we borrowed a trillion on our credit cards, you know how much is left, how much room we have left to borrow? Another three trillion. That's right. The max capacity for us to borrow as a nation on our credit cards is four trillion dollars. Uh, I think it's whistling past the graveyard because the interest rates have never been higher. It's almost 22%. Store cards are 34%. Delinquency rates are, are, are rapidly rising tremendously. And now you've got people on buy now, pay later, uh, which is going to be another unmitigated disaster. And this last December, a lot of people started using that to eat, to buy groceries. We just have two Americas, one America that's doing, doing very well and one that is not living on borrowed time. And, and, and the one that's living on borrowed time has no voice in the media. They don't control the narrative. They don't control Wall Street's narrative. And that narrative is, hey, let's get Joe Biden reelected because Joe Biden has been the best gift to the elites ever. When I, when I say ever, I mean ever. Forget about, you know, the Democrats, the, the Republicans like the rich. What Joe Biden has done for the wealthiest people in this country is mind-boggling. From earned income tax credits to, to couples making over 300000 to bus drivers paying the student loans for people with PhDs, to that $1.9 trillion COVID package, which over the next five years will all mitigate to the top 1% in this country. Uh, so you're out there sounding the alarm, and it's, and it's admirable, and I, and I hope you keep doing it. And, but the, 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 the powers that be are deliberately ignoring it. Charles Payne, bringing the heavy, by the way, sanguine, uh, cheerfully optimistic, <laughs> sometimes to the point of seeming complacent, oblivious, or naive. Lo Good word. I, not not used you. enough, Charles Payne. Yeah. So I Thank bring you. it to you. Uh, his book, Unbreakable Investor, find it at unbreakableinvestor.com. Uh, find everything he has to offer. And, of course, catch him on Fox Business every Monday through Friday. Charles Payne, I appreciate you taking the time. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Joe Biden, he's going to head himself to East Palestine, Ohio. Remember, there was a big disaster there, and the train turned 
uh, turned over and chemicals got into the water supply and people weren't feeling well. And Joe Biden said, um, uh, I'm not going to East Palestine. That's where all the rockets are. And someone said, no, sir, uh, th- this is in Ohio. And he said, well, I'm not going to Ohio either. So now it's been a year and he's finally going to go. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. He's finally going to show up. In East Palestine, Ohio, and of course, the reporters want to know, is he going to drink the water? And then next month, when the president is in East Palestine, will he drink the water there? I mean, look, what I can tell you is the president's focus has been to do everything that he can to support this community from day one. We get what's going on on the ground. We understand what's going on. That's why we've had the EPA. That's why we had DOT. That's why we had HHS. That's why we've had FEMA on the ground. Um, you know, this is not about some sort of like political stunt here. This is not about, this is not what this is about. This is about this president being a president for everyone and showing up, showing up for this community. That's what this is about. I'm not going to get into some sort of political stunts about drinking about drinking water. What we're going to focus about is making sure they have what they need. And the president was invited by the mayor, by community leaders. He's going to show up. He always said he would be there when it was the most helpful. A year. A year later, he's showing up. You get credit for that. I, I have never understood why he didn't show up earlier. What would have been so bad about showing up in month three, four, five, six, seven? All right, you don't show up in the first hour. I get it. You they you got a disaster. You got to get the people in there who know how to deal with disasters. You got to get things mitigated. You got to get people to help they need. You don't don't get in the way. The president shows up. It takes a lot of resources away from from other things. But why couldn't he get there until now? And why do they feel it even necessary? So the question would stop being asked. Now it's about, well, why did it take so long? And what's he going to say? He's got a commitment to trains, a commitment to the environment, a commitment to Ohio. Or did all of a sudden Ohio come into play politically and therefore, well, he had to go. This takes us to the polling. This Trump versus Biden polling. I'm going to break it down and a discussion of what it says, what it doesn't say, and also what could have been. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America. It's Tony Katz today. So let's take a look at that polling, shall we? What does it tell us? What does it mean? What does it say? What does it not say? You can always read something into a poll. Doesn't mean that it means anything. Some things are exactly as we thought they were. And one of those things is that Nikki Haley has moved the needle zero when it comes to South Carolina. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 
Find everything at TonyCats.com. Uh, be a supporter over there. Would love it. Would appreciate it. And, of course, uh, you can catch the live stream at Rumble, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, on X, and on Facebook if you're desperate. I'm going to get into Zuckerberg because I'm not a fan. I, 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 I find him to be a despicable guy who he can act like he's uh, morally wounded but he has not been an advocate for free speech. That is on him. That is on him completely. And what he has allowed to happen on his platform is, is reprehensible. But even in all the questions asked to him uh, yesterday about uh, sexually explicit content, to some of which, some of it certainly uh, to, to the point that they, they should do better. But some of it, you're, you're engaging in a blame game that if there was all this lockdown, there would be nothing. Are we better off without the platforms to begin with? Now, that's different than whether or not we need social media in our lives. These are two different things. And, and me, certainly, uh, less would be more. And I think that there is a truism that if, if it wasn't for what I do, I wouldn't be as connected to it. But what, what I always find odd and, and fascinating about that argument is, well, would we be talking? Right? Because you're connected to it. And sometimes we're connected via what's happening on Instagram or Facebook or, or TonyCats.com, uh, which is not a traditional website in that way. It's set up to be a, a community a website. Uh, like, So we wouldn't have those connections. Well, that's a problem because the connections are good. X, The X connection is good, Twitter. I don't know if I want that stuff to go, but you read what's on there and you're like, Holy hell, these people are miserable and terrible and awful. These people are just terrible. Uh, so there's a bit of a back and forth there. But it, it, it's it's certainly clear that there are efforts at play at these social media companies to stop certain things. But I don't know if they can necessarily stop everything. And what's the parental responsibility involved? The other side of that is, if, if if they're not doing their job and we're still allowing TikTok to play in the U.S., we're nuts. What's getting fed via TikTok, it cannot be denied. The content being fed to American kids is absolutely harmful. Of this, there is no debate. So even I right there, just taking it in that circle, I think we should discuss it. We will. That's coming up in a little bit. Let me get to the latest polling out of South Carolina. This is the Real Clear Politics Average. And this shows, right here, this shows that in the latest poll, which is the Washington post Monmouth poll, so the one before that was early January, you had Trump 54, Haley 25. DeSantis 7. And also Chris Christie was in that poll. So Chris Christie was five, DeSantis was seven, that's 12 points. You had Ramaswamy at three. So, so 15, 15 points now to spread around two candidates. The Washington Post Monmouth University poll, Trump 58, Haley 32. So Haley went up seven, Trump went up four. The spread is 26. The poll, the Emerson poll was 29. You know what you call that? No movement whatsoever. All the talk and all the everything else, the last poll doesn't have a single bit of, of quantifiable 
difference, movement. I'm not saying they, they there wasn't some. They both went up. That three points isn't the story. You had 15 points to play with, and you gained seven. You didn't get half. How's that for an argument? And so, therefore, the spread in the Real Clear Politics average, that spread is now 27. Trump at 53.7, Haley at 26.7 when you do the average, and that means that it's still Trump's ballgame. Even if Nikki Haley, even if she overperforms by 10 points, what does it matter? What does it matter? Because even if she were to overperform by 10 points, you would still have Trump victorious in every single way. Every single way. Then there was, well, this this was part of it right here. This whole Trump-Biden polling where um, you see in, in from, from Quinnipiac, from Emerson, from Daily Costs and Civics and Economist YouGov, you have in these last four polls, um, Quinnipiac has Biden up by six over Trump. Emerson has Trump up one over Biden. Daily Cost Civics has it tied at 44 apiece. And the economist YouGov has Trump uh, Trump 42, Biden 43. So Biden leading by one. What does this tell us? What does it tell us? Well, I'll give you a couple of things that it tells us. And one of the things that it tells us is you got to look back at uh, some previous numbers. One of the good things I like about Real Clear Politics is that they show you this day in history. So if I'm taking a look at the last poll, which was done by the economist YouGov, and it was 1,486 registered voters with a margin of error of 2.9. So I like both of those things. Uh, no, I don't believe polls in, in, in the main. You could take a, an amalgamation. But when I do look at a poll, uh, how many people do you have? I need at least over 700, over 1,000 is where you want to be. This is 1,486. Uh, and these are registered voters, over, not likely voters, but go with it. And a margin of error of 2.9. Anything under 3% for me is okay. And this has Biden plus one. If I go back to this day uh, in 2020, Biden was up five and a half percent five and a half now in this poll he's up one and trump is still ahead in the overall by 1.7 this is where i think people are kind of getting a little bit nutty that they look at this and say, aha, look what's happening. Ah, Trump's falling apart. Trump's fading fast. Trump's having the issue. I say it again. We could have had DeSantis. DeSantis would have been a much easier lift. Much, much, much 
easier lift. Trump's not an easy lift, and the people who think that he's just going to waltz in and win this thing without question, I think are fooling themselves and also a little nutty. Stop thinking this is going to be easy. There's no part of this that's going to be easy. But the numbers are not insane. Because while, for example, if we were to take a look at that uh, Quinnipiac poll, let's put that back up. In the Quinnipiac poll, we've got Biden up by six. Okay, that's one poll and an outlier because I can go to a poll from Reuters Ipsos that shows Trump up plus five. I can go to the Messenger Harris X that shows Trump up by six. So one poll going for Biden the other way does not change an entire mentality. But it sure as bloody hell does push a a narrative. And that's what we're seeing. I don't want to talk narrative. I want to talk reality. And the reality is, if you take a look at the spread of 1.7%, You're crazy if you think Trump is up enough. And if you take one more look at it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You'll notice, you'll see the sea of red going back to uh, January uh, 10th. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine polls. And Trump leads seven. Biden leads two. No, uh, Trump leads six. Biden leads two. You have to add it to nine. And then they tie in one. So you could also spin it as Trump is clearly in the lead. Biden, the incumbent, has got serious issues. But Trump does not have a big enough of a lead and getting Trump over the finish line in America that doesn't like him, sorry, a lot of America doesn't like the man, is going to be very difficult. And in three of the last four polls, Biden is ahead or tied. Does that mean a tide has turned? That was a little bit of wordplay right there. I feel good about that. I do. I do. That was quite all right. This is the question before us. People are looking to engage this data solely, explicitly, exclusively for their political motives. Of course, that makes sense to us. We need to take a look at what the data might be actually telling us because it might give us an idea of how to engage a new course, how to ensure a a victory uh, for what is clearly going to be our, our guy. I mean, there are still people out there who really think that that Nikki Haley can pull something out, but I think those people are um, wholly unserious. I think they are. They are. Well, I think they're 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 mad. Let me give you uh, two things about Biden that could be used against him, and I think that these are are worthy things. The first comes from Congressman Henry Cuellar of Texas while speaking to Al Sharpton. Yes, sir, that's a very good point. Uh, Some of us that live at the border, we've been seeing what New York, 
and other places have been seen for a long time. It's and without due respect, New York and Chicago and Washington, D.C. and Denver are just getting a drop of what we see at the border. But now. Well, he's right about that. It is just a drop of what they see at the border. The border is good for Trump and bad for Biden. And if you want an example, uh, that attack that took place in New York, that uh, attack that that took place where um, you had a cop who was uh, beaten by uh, illegal immigrants, and they, of course, didn't spend any time in in jail, and then they're walking around giving reporters the finger. First of all, why would we want them? This idea that, well, we want to take people in, they're just looking for a better life. That guy's not looking for a better life. That guy's a scumbag. Why would anybody want him in the country? Why don't we have a standard and say no? And if Representative Ocasio-Cortez has a problem with it, to hell with her. This is a guy you want in the country? A guy who just gives you the finger? Hey, I beat up a cop. You don't like it? You can just kiss off. That's the guy you want? You're weird. You're weird. You're wrong. You're despicable. The answer is no. Throw him out on his butt. Who cares about his future? He doesn't care about us. Please. There are plenty of people for us to care about because they actually care about the nation. They care about having a better life. They care about feeding their kids and a whole series of things. Not this guy. Forget this guy. We do not need this guy. People like that are unimportant. F these people. F these people indeed. F these people. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure I played right. I had to to double check. The second is uh, uh, how Dana Perino explained it. Talking about this uh, attack. Also, don't you think that those three that are out already, they're already back in shelters that you're paying for? Right. And that's pretty gross. What better sentence that sums up the Biden administration than this one? Illegal immigrant mob beats up officers released immediate without bail. That's excellent. As an excellent summation, these border issues are going to work very, very, very well for for Donald Trump. And there are these issues that are going to work well for Trump and not work well for Biden, and they are trying to spin it to the best of their ability and failing remarkably. And yet, three of the last four polls are for Biden or tie. Two for Biden one tie. If I'm the Trump folk, I'm paying attention to that too. Because that's not a warm and fuzzy feeling. That could be the start of a trend. Now that everyone thinks that Trump's actually the nominee. I could spin it that way. These numbers, people want to take them and just at some... Uh, ideological face value and never think about anything else. Try to sell their story. We need to look at them and figure out what they mean. I'm Tony Katz and this is... So I just caught this. Israel's war cabinet says the fighting may last through 2024. That was uh, Newsmax. That's where I caught this this story. That the Biden administration is now going to sanction settlers in the West Bank. 
Those who attack Palestinians in the West Bank following the Hamas terrorist attack uh, on October 7th, killing over 1,200 Israelis and others. Today's actions, says Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, quote, seek to promote peace and security for Israelis and Palestinians alike. If, if you remember, it was Jake Sullivan who uh, stated to all of us that um, there, the, the uh, Middle East has never been more peaceful. That was, what, a week before the attack, days before uh, the Hamas attack? This is what he said. There's never been a moment, never been a moment where it's been more peaceful. Uh, the problem with allowing children to be in charge is that they don't actually know how to do anything. And this is another move that the administration moves forward on to show where their thoughts are. They side with terrorists. Well, if, if we sanction the Israelis who are getting into fights with Palestinians, we'll really start to bring everybody to the table. You're not talking about Palestinians, I thought. You were talking about Hamas, a terrorist organization. How are you going to bring anybody to the table when Hamas wants one side dead? They don't want peace. They don't want a negotiation. They want to kill. They made it clear. What are you trying to do, Joe Biden? It is embarrassing at this stage of the game. And they have no plans whatsoever of stopping. Now, that hasn't stopped them with trying to take down the Houthi rebels because that is, while in some cases it might be seen as support of Israel, and Lord, they can't have that, it is about our future, our safety, our security, oh, and our money. Because the more expensive it is to ship goods from point A to point B, the more Americans have to pay. That's bad in an election year, and this way you get to look strong and tough. American forces carrying out a strike in Yemen against 10 drones. And a ground control station belonging to the Houthi rebels, this, according to the U.S. military, this was yesterday, a warship also shot down anti-ship missiles fired by the Houthis, later, later downing three Iranian drones. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, oh, I'm sorry if that's playing right there. I'll get rid of that right there. Sorry if that was playing. Sorry about that. Um, it would It would seem to me that one of the things we have to do is we have to say we don't allow these attacks to take place at all or, or, or we don't allow these drones to exist at all. Why do they still have drone capability and drone technology? We just need to put an end to it. And yet we haven't done it yet. We can go about uh, uh, sanctioning Israelis. Piece of cake. We can't even respond to three murdered Americans, three American service members killed, no response. So, yes, we are right in taking on the Houthis, but I don't think we're doing it strong enough. We don't respond to Iran. They, we do, however, sanction Israelis. If you ask what side Joe Biden's on, it's kind of easy to see he sides with a side that just isn't worth siding with. This is Tony Katz today. So this Mark Zuckerberg hearing 
in front of the Senate committee talking about sex trafficking was important. I don't I don't say no uh, to that. And certainly, as, as I've discussed, if we're talking about legalized prostitution, if we're talking about uh, an adult of their own free will, of their own volition, without coercion, engaging in contract, I try not to get involved, call it my libertarian streak. I, I, I can defend that. I'm not saying someone should. I am saying that someone can. These are two very different things. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. I am always wary of the people who want to tell me what you can and cannot do. If you are an adult and you want to engage in contract of your own free will, I don't see where I am or the government is to stop you. Whether you should is a completely different matter. But when we talk about trafficking, whether it be, you know, sex trafficking, uh, you're talking about people not of their free will, not of their own volition, and absolutely... You want to put an end to it. And you see when there are these large-scale events, uh, the Super Bowl, the Indy 500, uh, an all-star game, there's always these warnings. There are always these warnings of be on the lookout, be, be aware of it. And clearly, one could see that in social media, there is a uh, there's an issue. In social media, there is, without a doubt, and exposing that 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 is going on. There's um, first of all uh, the 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 what can constitutes content these days, which involves some girl in various states of no clothes engaged in a ridiculous dance that has no actual talent to it. It's because the dance isn't what's important. It's a problem. It's a problem, and I have, uh, whether it, I've stated it to, to my wife or to my friends, dear Lord, it, it, it's porn. It's, it's crazy what is happening, whether it be the, 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 the shorts there on, on Facebook. I don't even know what they call them on Facebook, and the reels on Instagram, and I don't have TikTok. What TikTok is feeding kids is pure on poison. Poison. Um. So, so they have all these social media group people, heads in, in front of the Senate committee. And Zuckerberg is there. And man, Mark Zuckerberg is taking it on the chin. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product. That's killing people. The people who are applauding are sitting behind Mark Zuckerberg of Meta Facebook. Uh, these are people who are family of those who have been exploited and, and, and hurt because of connections online. Going to someone's house and it turns out it's a 42-year-old man who, uh, who pretended to be a 13-year-old boy or a 13-year-old girl. and They have every right to be angry. And I would never tell them they, they can't be, although I have other questions and statements um, that are going to offend some. You just have to wait for all of it. I'm not trying to offend. I'm trying to honestly address the situation here, which doesn't often happen. Blood on your hands is some strong stuff. Then there was Senator Mike Lee. You For a moment, Mr. Zuckerberg. Instagram recently announced that it's going to restrict all teenagers from access to uh, uh, eating disorder material, suicidal 
ideation-themed uh, material, self-harm content, and that's fantastic. Uh, that's great. Um, what's, what's odd, what, what I'm trying to understand is, is why it is that Instagram is um, only restricting, it's, it's restricting access to, to uh, sexually explicit content, but only for teens ages 13 to 15. Uh, why not restrict it for 16- and 17-year-olds as well? Uh, Senator, my understanding is that we don't allow sexually explicit content uh, on, on the service for people of any age. Um, the, the, um, How is that going? Uh, you know, our, our, uh, our prevalence metrics suggest that w I think it's 99% or so of the content that we remove we're able to identify automatically using AI systems. So... I thought that the the comment from Senator Lee was a was just a cheap dig and not something that seriously addresses the situation at hand. He was looking for something that would get him uh, some good clicks and something that uh would get him uh, in with his uh constituents. The question was was fine, but the how's it going? Maybe that's to minimize how difficult the task is. Now, before I go any further, allow me to be clear. I don't like Mark Zuckerberg at all. I think his total uh, abandonment of free speech on the Facebook platform, he deserves all the derision he gets. What a low life. And no, you haven't been in favor of free speech. Yes, you have curtailed speech. Yes, you ensured people didn't talk properly about COVID. Yes, you ensured people didn't talk properly about Hunter Biden's laptop. That's enough for me. And it's why I moved everything over to TonyCats.com, to the Locals platform, away from Facebook. Screw him. Not giving him any more of my money. Yes, there's still a page there. I don't like it. I am told that it is. it would not be uh, advantageous to the brand to get rid of it. But aside from streaming this show, I don't play there. I play over at TonyCats.com. That's where I put my advertising dollar. That's where I put the opportunities, etc. X, because of, what, because of what Elon Musk has done, that's where I'll put my advertising dollar. Not to Facebook. Won't do it. But even I would understand that the, the uphill battle of trying to keep this content away from kids is an overwhelming battle. It's not easy because you still want people to be able to engage the way they want to engage and you're trying to protect uh, these kids, which is rightfully so and good on Senator Lee for recognizing there's a difference between the 17-year-old and the 18-year-old. This stuff is not easy. But the senators went about this as if they were some level of moral authority. Senator, our, our tools for identifying that kind of content are industry-leading. That doesn't mean we're perfect. There are definitely issues that we have, but we continue Mr. to invest Zuckerberg, in it. Yes, think, there are and, a lot that is slipping through. It appears that you're trying to be the premier sex trafficking no, of course not, Senator. in this uh, country. Senator, that's ridiculous. No, Senator, it is not ridiculous. Uh, you want to turn around this, and tell these people that... We don't want this content on our platforms. And we, why don't you take it down? We do take we it down. We are here discussing... We, we, do we more need work you to take all to than, work than, with than, us. Than, no, than, you're not. You are not. And the problem is we've been working on this. Senator Welch is over there. We've been working on this stuff for a decade. 
You have an army of lawyers and lobbyists that have fought us on this every step of the way. You work with NetChoice, the Cato Institute, Taxpayers Protection Alliance, and Chamber of Progress to actually fight our bipartisan legislation to keep kids safe online. So are you going to stop funding these groups? Are you going to stop lobbying against this and come to the table and work with um, nothing like getting lectured to by a senator. And I like Senator Blackburn. But the idea that Facebook is trying to be the premier sex trafficking site is a heck of a statement and a heck of an accusation. And in many ways could be seen as defamatory. I'm not denying that these things are happening. What I'm stating is that it is very obvious that none of the people on this committee would have the slightest idea of how to stop any of it. And it is hilarious when you see Republicans or Democrats talk about how you need to do this and you need to do that. They don't have the first faintest, you know what, idea of what it is. Do you think they have any idea of how deep it is, the technological challenges that are there? Why won't you work with us? It isn't a question of working with you. It's a question of how do you do the thing? Now, if. Facebook is being proactive in protecting child predators. Well, go after them and burn them to the blanking ground. You go right ahead. You feel free. But again, what this looks like is let me be moral and dance on your head. It bothers me when I have to look at Mark Zuckerberg, a guy who doesn't deserve my respect at all, and say, he is not being treated right here. When uh, Mao, Chairman Mao, took over China, he had what were known as struggle sessions. You have seen struggle sessions. It's how progressives speak to the rest of uh, the country. Prove you're not a racist. Well, you say you're not, that's just proof of your racism. You see, you don't understand. See, that's exactly what anti-racism is. We're trying to end racism by being proactively not racist. But all you're doing is defending whiteness. You see, you're just too fragile to have this conversation. It's your white fragility. Those are all struggle session conversations. Well, we expect you employees to go into a room and admit to your to your uh, guilt uh, of, of, of your whiteness and then uh, how you're going to do better. Well, I don't know that I did anything wrong. You see, that's your problem. You don't know that you've done something wrong. So why don't you tell me what you've done wrong? You tell me all the things you've done, and I'll tell you whether they're wrong. Go on, admit your sins to me. Struggle sessions uh, is is a better way to describe that. That's exactly what I've thought of when I saw this from Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. Anybody, you haven't compensated a single victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? And he goes about talking to these people and um, and apologizing to them. 
continue doing industry leading efforts to uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. So I know, now, I know why? it's a little a little hard to hear, but he turns around and, and goes about apologizing to them. That was a struggle session. And don't ask me to have any respect for Senator Hawley for it, and I'm going to look at you kind of askew if you do. If Mark Zuckerberg hadn't thought to speak to families that have had their children abused because of predators on Facebook, because of exploitation on Facebook, because there aren't certain levels of controls, well, then that's on Mark Zuckerberg and only proves my point that I should have no respect for the man. Forced apologies aren't okay. They're un-American, it's obscene, and Josh Hawley's wrong. And if Josh Hawley doesn't like it, that ain't my problem. It was gross. It was disgusting. It was absolutely beneath us. Not beneath us is the clear-headed statement of Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. If you think that Instagram is not hurting millions of our young people, particularly young teens, particularly young women, you shouldn't be driving. It is. That's correct. That's correct. There is no question that social media is doing damage. And so we get to another point here, another part of the conversation. What is the responsibility of the parent? I have uh, kids who are not on social media. Teens. One of them has Snapchat. There is no Facebook. There is no X. There is no TikTok. There is no Instagram. There never has been. Snapchat, because of groups associated with school that utilize it. Are they lying? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. To me and they're on 12 different services, it's possible. My God, you were a kid, you lied to your parents. You remember when your dad gave you a beer when you were only uh, 19? You're like, wow, my first beer? You lied. You lied. Of course you did. We all know you did. Your dad knew you were lying. But heck, it was part of the ritual. Where are the parents in this? Where's the parental responsibility? And how come this is not being addressed and discussed? The whole thing is Mark Zuckerberg's fault alone? There's no parental responsibility? I have a very hard time with this. But the counter to that argument is, Tony... Sometimes parents are doing absolutely everything they can. And kids, because they're kids, they do lie. They do have something hidden. They do keep secrets. They do do these things. And that's why we need to engage a level of controls on these platforms. I don't say no. I don't say no. I think we are certainly proven that when it comes to children, social media doesn't actually have value outside of places to communicate with friends, not necessarily with the general public. That could be a pressuring and threatening public.
I think that Mark Zuckerberg is a lousy guy. But I think the idea that you're going to engage a public shaming doesn't make Republicans look good. I thought it was pretty gross. And it isn't going to solve our problem. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. So this is the latest, a judge dismissing Trump's lawsuit, a judge in London throwing out the lawsuit filed by the former president. This about the dossier. There's no compelling reason to allow the claim to proceed to trial, according to the judge. The dossier funded by Hillary, funded by the Democrats, totally lying about Donald Trump. That's that's not defamation. Eugene Carroll is defamation, but this isn't defamation. You know, sometimes we live in the upside down. It's nuts. By the way, Eugene Carroll could not have looked worse in her media tour. Talking about uh, the money that she got from Trump. She's going to buy clothes with it and a motorcycle. Anybody who associates with her, whew, they've got issues galore. Issues that I could not even begin to comprehend. Find it all at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It is sad to see that terrorism works. I mean, it's sad to see so many people in the United States supporting it. Whether it be university presidents, whether it's Harvard, or, you know, the diversity chief in Harvard has a plagiarism charge against them. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's Harvard. It's, it's what they do. And the whole idea of diversity means the, the educational merit, the, the scholarship is, is zero. There's no need for a meritocracy as long as you can check the boxes. That's the argument they've made. They'll tell you that it's racist for you to notice what it is that they have decided the deal is. It's not racist. It's understanding what it is they're about. Their bigotry is front and center. And if you notice, you're the bigot. That is a special kind of crazy. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find it all at TonyKatz.com. The terrorism works. And yes, there are members of the university set who are totally fine with Hamas. And those who go to the universities are totally fine with Hamas, which is a reason in and of itself to totally destroy public education the way it is, because clearly we're not teaching any level of a moral center. But neither, then again, is, is the church or parents, we can, we can state. Some parents are. I mean, you can't throw everybody in. That would just be nuts. But terrorism works because we have members of Congress, our political establishment, our elected officials who are totally fine with Hamas, and Israel is, of course, the great evil. I bring this up because of a vote that took place. A vote, H.R. 6679, the No Immigration Benefits for Hamas Terrorist Act. It's an expansion on a ban that would ban PLO members, Palestinian, Palestine Liberation Organization members and now would ban those who participated in the October 7th attack. Uh, if that's the case, how are you going to have the United Nations? Uh, but, you know, I'll let them figure that out later. 
And two people voted against this. Cori Bush, who, of course, is a bigot. I mean, she's a communist, so communism is bigotry, uh, and wants to destroy America. And how dare you tell Hamas members they can't come to the United States? Don't you understand the United States is the evil, the racist, awful country? Meanwhile, she's using campaign funds to pay her husband, who she decides is her security, and the DOJ has opened a probe on this. But if you should bring it up, you see, that's just proof that you're a racist and a sexist. That's all she's got. She can't have a conversation on the merits. She doesn't have the mind. Cori Bush isn't smart enough. This is all she knows. All she has to do is throw up racism and sexism. She could defend herself from anything while engaging in madness. And her madness is, is well, it, truthfully, quite mad. Her madness involves the idea that she gets full-time security, but we should at the same time be the people who are proactively, proactively defunding the police. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety. Now. I'm important. You're not. I mean, that's that's an argument, but what do you expect from a commie? I mean, it, it, it is the purest form. It's not the purest form. It's the most horrific form of elitism. I know what's best for all of you, and I will be at the very top still getting fresh fruit, and all of you will accept your daily ration, and you'll be thankful for it and happy for it. Don't you know that I'm special? If you don't know, you'll spend some time in the gulag and then you'll learn the lesson. And if somebody wants to think they're special, I send them to the gulag. And they're always amazed that they go to the gulag because after all, you were, you were friends. That, that's, that's the best. The, the, the clear paranoia within communism uh, amongst leaders where those close to the leader um, are always the ones who end up being disappeared. Look at uh, Xi Jinping in China. Look at what happens with Kim Jong-un in, in North Korea. This is always the way it goes. They think you're getting too close. They think you're getting too powerful. You might be a threat to their leadership, so you're gone. It's just the way it works. The other person to vote in favor of letting Hamas into the United States is Rashida Tlaib from Michigan. She's a Jew hater from beginning to end. She doesn't believe Israel should exist. She is a danger. The fact that she's allowed in Congress is stunning. Yes, she should go. And of course, uh, Ilhan Omar should be expelled. They should both be expelled. And, and I, of course, am a, am a longtime believer in running Democrats against them. Run Democrats against them who don't hate America, who don't hate Jews. Just You won't agree with them on everything, but they'll be better than what we have now. So just do that. It's a plan. It's a strategy. Go engage, I, I think, a smart strategy. I think this is a smart one. I'm very, very into this. And I've discussed this with people uh, high and low. Discussed it everywhere. She thinks, Corey Bush and Rashida Tlaib, they think that Hamas members, Hamas supporters should be allowed into the United States, which makes sense because after all, they are. But I stated terrorism works, which is an absolutely horrific thing to say. Why would I say that? And it's more than just... These supporters, like, in my view, Cory Bush and Rashida Tlaib. As Axios had the story, Barack Ravid reporting, 
The State Department is reviewing options for possible recognition of a Palestinian state. So is the UK. As Politico reported, the UK is considering a push to recognize a Palestinian state at the United Nations. This according to Foreign Secretary David Cameron, who of course is a former Prime Minister. He wants to end the war in Gaza. Now, there is no other way to see these types of maneuvers except to say that terrorism works. You can be Hamas for years trying to destroy Israel. You can be Hamas murdering 1,200 plus people, raping women, setting babies on fire, kidnapping women, children, and the elderly and keeping them in cages. And you know what the response will be? We recognize you. You're legitimate. Because if you have a Palestinian state right now, well, who's going to be in charge of that Palestinian state? Hamas, a terrorist organization funded by Iran. And whether Iran's getting their money from China or somewhere else, these, of course, are the great questions. Who would think to reward terrorism? The Biden administration. David Cameron. Weak people with weak minds. Failures. People who are not looking to avoid war, but rather want to put upon society never-ending war. Because if a terrorist organization can now get statehood, if you will, they can get certified, they can get recognized, why would they stop? There is no rational thought that if somehow there were a Palestinian state run by Hamas, that the attacks on Israel would stop. They would magnify. They would grow until Israel was gone. And then, of course, they'd set their sights on the great Satan because this is an Iran-backed group. Lord only knows what's already come through the southern border. Why would anybody think it would stop? Look at what they've done. And, oh, my gosh, it works. So anytime they're bothered by somebody not giving them a good trade deal or not doing X, Y, or Z, they engage in acts of terrorism because this is what works. This is what works. And here's the United States, the United Kingdom, these great democracies saying, okay, it works. This is obscene. As Axios reports it, a U.S. official saying there's no policy change, but the State Department is considering options uh, that signal a shift in thinking within the Biden administration. This is because the idea of supporting Israel has become untenable for the Jew-hating progressives. Understand we have to replace Jew-hating with uh, liberty-hating. America's next. And I've been discussing this since, since day two. You think that this is about Israel, you're nutty. This is about domination. This is for the Islamist about a worldwide caliphate. This is for the communist about the destruction of Western civilization. They'll deal with the, with the Islamists later, one thing at a time, boo-boo, because you would think they would plan it out. Wait, I can't, these Islamists are a problem. There's no stopping them. These people are, are nutty. These people won't be stopped for anything. You're going to have to kill them to stop them. The communist is going to make common ground with whoever they have to until they, you know, have to then fight those people because that's the way it's going to work. And we're allowing it to happen. We keep a, a wide open southern border. We appease terrorists. We don't even go and try and get Americans back who are being kept hostage. We have left them there just like we left them in Afghanistan to the, to the whims of the Taliban.
This is what the Biden administration has done. If you ask me if this is American policy, no, this is progressive policy. And progressive policy is destructive. Do you see it now? There is no value to this plan. This plan states that you can take Americans hostage and we will do nothing. You can kill allies and we will do nothing. We can see atrocities and do nothing. The, uh, you know, there, there's, have you followed this Vince McMahon story? The Vince McMahon story is nuts. Uh, a friend of mine uh, was discussing it with me yesterday. And I'm not saying Vince McMahon is a good guy by any stretch of, of any, any, any stretch of the imagination. Not, not, not a part of it. But there's this, this conversation about, or these accusations of, of sexual assault. And it's, I mean, they're, they're detailed and it's ugly and things done uh, to to uh, a, a woman that he was having an, an, an affair with, including things like defecation. And dude, uh, you know, everyone's got a kink, but every now and then you're like, whoa up. Well, if you were to speak to these progressives, they will tell you that this is the most awful, terrible, disgusting thing that they have ever heard of. But women were raped and killed by Hamas. Well, you see, you got to understand how Israel's at fault. That's the progressive left. It's not that the Vince McMahon story isn't a terrible story. It's not that a Harvey Weinstein isn't a terrible story. It's that somehow in America, this is the most evil thing in the world but when you take a look at over what Hamas has done, there's forgiveness and acceptance and blaming of Israel. In the United States, any woman who makes a claim that they were made to feel uncomfortable, you have to believe her and that man has to lose their job. But for Israel, you see Israel's problem is their skirt was too short. That's the progressive left. There is no standard here. There is only a destructive pattern here because the ideology is so faulty. It has no basis. It has no theory. It has no greatness from which greatness can then be built. It has only destruction and then the denial. It has only the whims of the moment and nothing else. And certainly, it has no continuity. And this is what the Biden administration is full of. Are they doing that stupid hunger strike today? They were going to do a hunger strike in the Biden administration to demand a, a, a ceasefire. And uh, there's talk of a, of a ceasefire. They were going to, they're going to fast for Gaza. The, the staffers, they're going to they're gonna fast. They're, 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 basic, they're basically doing a cleanse which is kind of an interesting term because that's exactly what Hamas wants to do to Israel. Cleanse. These people view themselves as serious and, and intellectual and important. This is all emotional pablum. Predicated on the idea that Hamas is the good guy and Israel's the oppressor. 
Why? Because the ideology dictates that it has to be oppressed oppressor because everything is Marxism, and that's what the proletariat and bourgeoisie conversation is. That's what Barack Obama discussed with the 99% and the 1%. Look at everything that is taught today. There's the oppressed and there's the oppressor. We have discussed this numerous times, and you have seen it with your own eyes. Israel's the oppressor. Israel, a democracy that has millions of Arabs living in it, yet somehow Israel's the bad guy. But Hamas, the terrorist organization that doesn't care about providing water or food to the people who live there, never mind the rape and the setting children on fire, that's who you support. And yet somehow Hamas is not the oppressor, they're the oppressed. Well, when you believe in an ideology that wants to twist reality, to push for what you're looking for, which is total domination, you can't have domination until you get these people out of the way. You need America out of the way in order to have domination, which is why if you think this is about Israel, it's not about Israel. Israel's just the first one to fall, if indeed it does fall, and then America will be next. And of course, they've been trying every which way. I'm not... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Trying uh, to, to play it negative, I'm trying to make sure we all see exactly what's happening. The administration, the Biden administration, is taking a look at statehood for a terrorist organization sponsored by a terrorist organization. And they won't stand up because standing up for Israel is not what their ideology states. Their ideology dictates that Israel is the oppressor, not the terrorists who rape women. You got to understand the level of the fight that there is in front of us. And you got to understand how bad these people are that this nation has elected. How far gone. How, yes, evil. You got to understand how it's affecting your kids in college and in high school and in middle school and elementary school every time they are unabated on social media. Every time they are subjected to news that comes from the quote-unquote mainstream Every time they experience culture without some watchful eye saying, now you know what they're really trying to say here, right? We've got so much work ahead of us and the work is daunting. But that's all there is. The recognition of what's actually happening and then the recognition that we have to fight with everything in us. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. We've been seeing what New York and other places have been seeing for a long time. It's and with all due respect, New York and Chicago and Washington, D.C. and Denver are just getting a drop of what we see at the border. But now this feeling is being felt or this understanding is being felt in other cities. Uh, That's one of the reasons why uh, Democrats are getting off their comfort zones. That's Democrat Representative Henry Cuellar talking to race baiter Al Sharpton. What? 
That is the, I, did I say that wrong? No, I didn't. Uh, did I? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. And Representative Cuellar has been very vocal about the border and the border issues representing Texas, saying this is a problem. And he's totally right. What Texas is dealing with, I don't, I'm not listening to complaints from New York or, or, or Chicago or, or, or D.C. Drop in the bucket. And don't get me wrong, New York has got a massive problem with this influx, and the answer is stop the madness at the border. Well, Tony, why won't Republicans pass the legislation that Biden wants? Because it's not good. It's tied to Ukraine funding. It doesn't actually do the job. Start with three clean pieces. Maybe it's five, but let's start with three clean pieces. Start with the technology piece. Start with building the wall, which is really a fence, in its totality so we can slow people down and know who they are and reinstitute Remain in Mexico completely. Let's just start with those three things having nothing to do with Ukraine funding, and let's see where we go. Let's see how that helps. Then we can move into uh, how we uh, train Border Patrol, hiring more Border Patrol agents. Then we can look at labor conversations. Then we can look at the humanitarian conversation. But if we make it more difficult, we'll help the humanitarian side because there'll be less desire uh, to engage the human trafficking because you won't be able to get in so easily. Yes, we have a cartel problem as well. Let's start with those three. Let's start with those three. If you're not with me on that, I got to ask, what kind of border are you in favor of? Or do you want it to be ideological and not rational to protecting America and American citizens? That's what I would ask these people. This is Tony Katz Today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. every day we're having a conversation about the economy and i seem to be swimming in a completely different direction than what wall street's telling us and what certainly what the administration's telling us and i think people see me as a naysayer i'm not trying to be a naysayer i want things to be great i just don't see the greatness i talk to the business owners i take a look at what happens in china and i ask myself how does this not lead to something serious i take a look at oil prices being down and i say that's great Except China's not using as much because they're not producing as much because of their own financial issues. This is going to be bad news for the rest of us in this interconnected world. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I figured, uh, you know, I I speak to economist Dr. Matt Will a lot. I figured maybe I should should go uh, uh, to, to my original guy. Maybe I should get somebody who will slap me in the face and say, Tony, you don't understand how good things are. Or maybe I'll find out I'm right. Charles Payne joins us right now. You see his work on Fox Business, making money with Charles Payne. That is 2 p.m. on Fox Business, Monday through Friday. And his latest book, Unbreakable Investor. You can go to unbreakableinvestor.com and check it out for yourself. Uh, I guess I'll start with the general is this a wonderful, glorious economy, and I'm just a naysayer, or do I see what other people don't see? You see what other people don't see. I'm jumping into foxhole with you, my man. I got your back on this one. Right on. It, so, it, so what it, is here, it? Here's the two, two, two ways they set up the narrative, two ways. First and foremost, 
We had uh, we had a record by far, not even close, shattering record of money that came cascading into our economy uh, after the pandemic. Just and uh, just trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars, and that takes a while to work its way through the system. We should never ever uh, equate that to organic growth. We should never think that that's something. You know, we know it's a temporary thing. Uh, it feels good while it's making its way through the system. The velocity of, uh, of money has, uh, has increased. Uh, and so that is part of the picture. The other part, and the part that really frustrates me, is this whole game of consensus. Well, the number came in better than Wall Street consensus. That doesn't mean it's good. I mean, it just means that a bunch of people took a guess and they were wrong. So I, I'm with you because if you really cut through the fog and you see what's really happening – with delinquency rates skyrocketing, with wages getting very weak and look like they're going to get a lot weaker, this jobs this jobs market is not nearly as so strong as they suggest that it is, and all of that free money is fading. Uh, you know, so uh, it's like watching a football game. Uh, the, you see where the ball is going, all right, and you can see in slow motion. You know, a lot of times we watch a game, we can see the, the quarterback throws a bomb, and you can see the receiver getting open. You figured that you know what's going to happen as a few seconds later. I just think it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty well known. It seems to me that we're heading towards something that's going to be very, very painful right around the corner. So let's start with where this happening. I've got three things I want to get to, starting with the interest rates, because the Fed announced yesterday they're not going to change interest rates, meaning lower them. Wall Street had a field day when it was told to them there'll probably be three rate decreases in 2024. Then you read the minutes of their meeting, and the minutes didn't say anything like what they were saying publicly. No rate decrease, and really a signal from the Fed that 2024 might just lay itself uh, flat. It, shouldn't this be warning number one? It, well, the thing is, though, that there's no rate increase in March. They're still saying uh, three rate increase uh, cuts, rather r- three rate cuts this year, uh, and so that's their way of acknowledging that the economy is slowing, and that inflation will be low enough for them to be accommodated. Because they really, at the end of the day, their real goal is to to make sure that Wall Street stays, um, you know, flush. Now, Wall Street, of course, is very greedy. Wall Street wants at least five to six rate cuts. And in fact, if you look at all the different measures of, of how they measure you know, the markets, the market is still, at this very moment, even without a rate cut in March, still looking at six rate cuts this year. So that's a sign the economy is going to be slowing. And they, they want this thing called, called a soft landing, where it slows just enough, but we don't have a spike in unemployment and things don't happen. Uh, we'll see what happens there, because the, the measure that they use, there are three unemployment measures at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they all begin with the U. The one that we hear about, the U3 unemployment rate, is so skewed, it's embarrassing. Every time I hear an economist talk about it in glowing terms without adding the caveat, that last month, the last one we got, 670,000 people left the labor force. So the number was had a three-handle, it was 39 if that many people stayed in the labor force, the unemployment rate would have been well over 4%. So is that good news or is that bad news? That's, that that 600,000 people left the labor force. That's a strong economy. 
By the way, there are over 600,000 people, fewer workers month to month. Is that really a strong economy? Of course it's not. You skewed the data. So do you go off of this artificial data to try to tell the public that the economy is strong when one of these 600,000 people are saying, hey, it was so weak in my neighborhood, I didn't even bother looking for a job. I dropped out of the labor market. Talking to Charles Payne from Fox Business, unbreakableinvestor.com. You can get his new book, Build the American Dream in Any Economic Cycle, by Charles Payne, unbreakableinvestor.com. So this rate conversation is, is number one, and you're absolutely right about uh, the, the labor force conversation. Number two takes us over to China, which has a U.S. corollary. You take a look at Evergrande, and we talk about these things, this massive real estate company going belly up, the Hong Kong courts uh, deciding it's time to liquidate. China did not prop this thing up with 80 plus billion dollars in, 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 in losses and a possible $420 billion, whatever it is, in debt. You've got Country Garden right behind it, which could go the same way. And then you have U.S. real estate, which could be engaging a lot of refinancing coming up. They got the money at low rates. The rates now are higher, which might mean abandoning a lot of real estate or letting it go uh, in fire sales. Give me the one, two, three punch here on how that affects the American consumer on Midwest Main Street. Well, there's two things. Uh, ironically, one is, is pretty beneficial for Joe Biden. Gasoline prices didn't go up. China's economy, China's been the main driver of, of gasoline, of crude oil prices over the last few years. Their, their rapid growth, their insatiable appetite for energy, uh, and because their economy is so weak, it's actually helped to keep our oil and gasoline prices lower. But to your point, which is also a cautionary tale, uh, on the commercial real estate side, we're in trouble. We are in a whole lot of trouble. And what's really worrisome about it it's mostly regional banks that have made these loans. Now, if you see that if, if, if Main Street has changed to the point where uh, people are not going to go back to work, not in, enough, not in enough capacity to justify the buildings that have already been built, and those buildings have big debts against them, they're going to be a lot of massive defaults in this country. Now, some of it's because you can't work from home in all the larger cities. It's because you don't want to go to the city. And, and so... We've got that, and in China, again, you know, they've, they've had this manufactured economy for a long time. They've built ghost cities, entire cities that are completely empty. By the way, they've also built some amazing cities that we, you know, the average American, if they ever saw pictures of it, would be like, oh, my goodness, what? how'd they do that? You know, uh, but that's how they've always kept their economy going. It's been artificial. It's been man-made. But one thing people need to understand, Tony, and this is critical, a year ago, two years ago, uh, she decided instead of prosperity that we're going to focus on war. He is getting his country and his economy ready for war. So all of the money that they might have put into propping up in Evergrande, they're using it in different ways right now. And the economy takes a, a backseat to all of that. And and that's something that really is worrisome to me as well. So you're having the conversation regarding Taiwan because this is very clearly the place and the one China philosophy. Uh, and of course, as a guy who, who plays in the economy morning, noon and night, you're, you're watching this. Uh, you're engaging an expectation of that to take place. But what does that do to the marketplace if it does? Well, uh it depends on when, but it's going to obviously be disastrous, at least initially, and that's because of the semiconductor situation. Listen, we're in a fourth industrial revolution, but it doesn't happen. It's all being powered by the computer chips. 
and, and these and these semiconductor chips. And if you look at the shares of Nvidia as your pro poster child for this, uh, it's just amazing. And the thing is, we've waited too long. It, it will take. Uh, I think there was the CEO of Micron said it would take uh, maybe 20 years to completely get all of the uh, semiconductor risk that we have embedded because of the Taiwan uh, to our shores or out of Taiwan. So it would be a massive, massive, massive blow. Um, it would also uh, ignite really amazing fears and economic regression and to all of the Pacific, maybe even beyond there. Uh, and and it, But I don't see how it cannot happen. In the, in the most recent meeting, I think it was about two months ago, she and, and, and uh, President Biden face-to-face -face in California, he looked President Biden right in the face and says, we're taking Taiwan, one way or the other. He looked him right in the face and says, we are taking Taiwan. And so it's the only thing we can hope is that it's later, much later. You know, the, the irony is that Taiwan just had an election that was razor close. And then the candidate who lost was actually saying, Taiwan should make nice with China because once America has the semiconductor capacity, they won't protect us anyway. So it's a complicated mix. Right now, it would be a huge, huge uh, economic blow to the world, but more specifically to, uh, to our grander ambitions to, to continue to dominate, particularly when it comes to this fourth industrial revolution. Let me give you spot number three that I'm paying attention to. Talking to Charles Payne of Fox Business, the book Unbreakable Investor. Find it at unbreakableinvestor.com. Uh, the books, the trainings, all of it, unbreakableinvestor.com. Third quarter credit card debt in the United States was $1.08 And I don't know how this isn't looked at every day as the bomb that puts an end to consumer spending when the number becomes untenable and nobody, you talked about defaults earlier, nobody pays back their credit card debt, figuring if Biden will take care of my student loan, someone's going to take care of this. What's the danger number if 1.08 trillion isn't already it? Oh, that is a hell of a question. And I, you know, listen, I pose the same question to the top economists on Wall Street. 95% of them are so sanguine about this, it drives me crazy. Uh, here's what they tell me. Don't worry about it. As long as people have a job, they'll pay their credit card bill, even if it's the minimum. Okay. Then they say, oh, by the way, that number seems large, but as a percentage of GDP, it's actually a lot lower than it's been in recent years. <laughs> okay. Oh, and do you know technically, Tony, that although we borrowed a trillion on our credit cards, you know how much is left, how much room we have left to borrow? Another three trillion. That's right. The max capacity for us to borrow as a nation on our credit cards is $4 trillion. Uh, I think it's whistling past the graveyard because the interest rates have never been higher. It's almost 22%. Store cards are 34%. Delinquency rates are, are, are rapidly rising tremendously. And now you've got people on buy now, pay later, uh, which is going to be another unmitigated disaster. And this last December, a lot of people started using that to eat, to buy groceries. We just have two Americas, one America that's doing, doing very well and one that is not living on borrowed time. And, and, and the one that's living on borrowed time has no voice in the media. They don't control the narrative. They don't control Wall Street's narrative. And that narrative is, hey, let's get Joe Biden reelected because Joe Biden has been the best gift to the elites ever. When I, when I say ever, I mean ever. Forget about, you know, the Democrats, the, the Republicans like the rich. What Joe Biden has done for the wealthiest people in this country is mind-boggling. 
from earned income tax credits to, to couples making over 300000 to bus drivers paying the student loans for people with PhDs, to that $1.9 trillion COVID package, which over the next five years will all mitigate to the top 1% in this country. Uh, so you're out there sounding the alarm, and it's, and it's admirable, and I, and I hope you keep doing it. And, but the, the, the powers that be are deliberately ignoring it. Charles Payne bringing the heavy, by the way, sanguine, uh, cheerfully optimistic, <laughs> sometimes to the point of seeming complacent, oblivious, or naive. Lo- Good word. I, not not used you. enough, Charles Payne. Yeah. So I Thank bring you. it to you. Uh, his book, Unbreakable Investor, find it at unbreakableinvestor.com. Uh, find everything he has to offer. And of course, catch him on Fox Business every Monday through Friday. Charles Payne, I appreciate you taking the time. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. <laughs> But in my first week back in the Pentagon, I did want to address my recent hospital stay and some of the issues around it. I'm recovering well, but as you can see, I'm still recovering. I'm still having some leg pain and doing physical therapy to get past it. That's the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, who, returning to the Pentagon, well, engaged one of the more what-in-the-world-has-happened-to-leadership kind of conversations you will have ever heard. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. We, we have such leadership issues. We have such issues with strength. You listen to the Secretary of Defense. I'm deeply grateful to my doctors and the nursing staff at Walter Reed. And I very much appreciate all the good wishes. But I want to be crystal clear. We did not handle this right, and I did not handle this right. I should have told the president about my cancer diagnosis. I should have also told my team and the American public. Is that right? Is this the the revelation you have now come to? Why is this apology happening? Why is anybody allowing this? He should, this is not strength. This is not, oh, look at him and how contrite he is. He should be fired. It doesn't, your apology is inconsequential. You were AWOL. You were absent without leave. You didn't inform your superior who happens to be the president. You didn't inform your second in command why they were being given the power of the secretary of defense. I don't, I don't understand how people aren't outraged here. And I take full responsibility. I apologize to my teammates and to the American people. Unaccepted. Now, I want to make it very clear that there were no gaps in authorities and no risk to the department's command and control. At every moment, either I or the deputy secretary was in full charge. And we've already put in place some new procedures to make sure that any lapses in notification don't happen. It wasn't a lapse You did not notify the President of the United States. There's no new system to put in place. But then he engaged, and here's the quote. I was being treated for prostate cancer. The news shook me, and I know that it shakes so many others, especially in the black community. It was a gun punch, and frankly, my first instinct was to keep it private. Your first instinct was not to tell your own boss? Somebody fire this man. This is incompetence. This is unacceptable. And if we accept it, we've said that leadership and strength 
are out the window. Rather, we'd want this, whatever the, whatever the hell this is. Good Lord. Progressivism ruins everything. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.